Managing your law practice can be challenging. Marketing, time management, attracting clients, and all the things besides the cases that you need to do that aren't billable. Welcome to this edition of the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. This is where you'll get the information you need from expert guests and host Christopher Anderson, here on Legal Talk Network. Welcome to the Unbillable Hour. I am your host, Christopher Anderson, and today's episode is about production. Um, The specific topic has been one that law firm business owners, including myself, have really struggled with over the past couple of years because it keeps changing and it's been it's been a really tough nut. Um, and that is recruiting. And so I'm sure you're pretty glad we're talking about this topic right about now. That is, if you'll remember in the main triangle of what it is that a law firm business must do, we've got to acquire new clients. Otherwise, yeah, we don't have much else to do, right? We have got to produce the results that we promise those clients. We call that production. The acquiring of new clients we call acquisition and production. And then achieving the business and professional results for the owners. That's it. That's what the law firm business must do. And of course, in the center of that triangle, driving it all, for better or worse, is you. In today's episode, we're going to discuss approaches for candidates and firms both to optimize this matchmaking process that we call recruiting. And I'm really pleased to have our guest today is Sandy Ryan. Sandy is the Senior Director of Recruiting at Level Legal. And today's episode of The Unbillable Hour is You Want to Be Special. I am pleased to introduce my guest, Sandy Ryan, again, Senior Director of Recruiting at Level Legal. Sandrine, Sandy Ryan, describes herself as a natural recruiter. She took kind of a weird route to becoming a professional recruiter. She came from Montserrat, which I had to go look up. Um, We could talk about that. Um, And uh, through the United States Army and then became an official recruiter. Um, She's done this for giant legal tech companies where she systematically implements technology processes and people pretty much on her own to build great recruiting systems. Um, And before joining Level Legal, um, where she is now, Sandy was also head of recruiting with KL Discovery and built out a a global recruiting experience, um, managing a team of 20 recruiters and supporting hundreds of contract attorneys. So all that just to say that Sandy's (laughs) been there, done that. She knows her stuff. So Sandy... Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here, Chris. That's great to have you. So my, my introductions are notoriously pathetic. Uh, so <laughs> uh, help me out here. Okay. How did you, you know, well, let's just start with this question. What in the world is a natural recruiter? And how did you, how did you really <laughs> like hone that skill to become uh, a professional recruiter? I would say a natural recruiter is someone with a calling. It's not a job. It's truly a calling. It's the passion to connect with people and also willingness to help them and to be a great servant leader in assisting, you know, others to become great. And that's truly what a natural recruiter is, is finding the talent, knowing what they seek and being able to assist them on their path to that. Yeah. And I mean, I read in some of the stuff that you do that you actually, I mean, you know, recruiters typically work for the companies that are hiring. Mm-hmm. Um, and clearly you've done a great job at that. But you know, I read in some of your material that um, you also make it your mission to help the candidates uh, to become and position themselves a little bit better. That's unusual. Why, why do you do that? I have a passion to help. 
it's finding ways in which you can help someone. So as I, I recruit in high volume, but it's also, also keeping it the human level, which is part of our mantra here is making legal human. But it's always been my passion throughout my career is not just looking at what they can do for the company, but where do they aspire to be? I always tell my attorneys, like, part of my vetting for what you want to, what you're doing now is also, why, why did you go to law school? There is a reason mm-hmm. why you went to law school. It's not just to pay the bills, which is my wheelhouse is contract attorney work, but it's not where you need to be right now to pay the bills. But why did you, what was your why? Why did you go to law school? And making sure that as they're helping their immediate need for a job, they're remembering their passion and their why and making sure that they're also making those steps to get there. And if it's something that I could assist them with, if their passion is, say, trademark and I have a trademark project on my desk, I want to make sure that I know who to call for the trademark because they that's their passion, that's their why, rather than just putting anyone who can do the job on it. Yeah. So I've often said, you know, on the show and elsewhere that in a large sense, now, first of all, actually, before I get to that, I'm just going to ask you, like, <laughs> have, are you a Simon Sinek fan? Have you read, read, read uh, his stuff? I haven't, but that's on my, um, he's actually on my audiobooks list to dive into next. Cool. Because I mean, you're, you're, you're speaking his language. I think you'll really enjoy <laughs> um, his stuff because he talks about your why a whole lot. But so, you know, you're talking about this. And I like like I've said before on the show and elsewhere, like recruiting is marketing, right? Uh, in a, in a very large sense, it's you're, you're, instead of marketing to the end user, the clients, you're marketing, you're marketing two ways, right? You're marketing businesses mm-hmm. to candidates, and you're marketing candidates to businesses. Very and true. part of part of marketing is telling a story, right? Is that is that kind of does that match the approach that you're think that you're bringing to the to the business? It, it truly is. You you want to be able to make sure it's a matchmaking process, to be honest. Sure. So you have to make sure that you know what the, your clients seek. So the, the client service and the customer service of it is knowing what what motivates your your um, customers, what are they seeking, and also making sure that it matches what your um, candidate is seeking because happy candidates produce and we're in the business of producing. So you got to make sure everyone is happy. Yeah. And I think, I mean, you've kind of put your finger on something here because uh, you talked about how you help the candidates. It's your passion to help the candidates with their why and to tell their story so that you can aim them at the work and the businesses that make. Motivates them. Yeah. That motivate them, make more sense for them. But let, let's turn that around also in, in all your recruiting work. Have you found that you've had to help the hiring company understand their why and who they're actually looking for? Absolutely. But, um, we've recently had that encounter, yes. Yeah. Now tell me more about that because I mean, I, I find that like a lot of people just say, I need a lawyer, you know, I need to hire an associate, I need to hire a paralegal. And that's really just a dipping your toe in. That's, that's the tip of the iceberg of what they're really Absolutely. looking for. How do you help them? How do you help them decide who they're really looking for? You also have to know your client and what motivates them and how they work because I I call it buckets. Like for example, I have I have some clients who like heavy hours and you have the others that are pretty much nine to five. And being able to know your candidates well enough to know what 
area they can commit to with their other outside things that they might have going on in their lives truly helps you set them up for success. You, I call I, in my recruiting, I know it's kind of remedial, but I call it buckets. You have to have your nine to fivers and know who they are. And if that person matches what the client is seeking, but also knowing their specialties, what their day-to-day work is that they'll be doing on a daily basis. So one of the key things I've learned over the years is asking the client, not just do I need a paralegal, but truly what are the three main functions this person needs to be able to achieve on a daily basis and ensuring that this person you're putting in place can not only meet their expectations, but possibly exceed that. And being able to have that ability to match the skills and and also being able to deliver the delight of ensuring that the um, the the client is happy with whom you've selected to put forward is truly the best. Cool. <laughs> and, and, and yeah, and you've described it, like I think I described it, you described it as matchmaking. And I think if we think about it from that context, right, the right matchmakers really are look at the true goals of each side. Because if you stay with the superficial goals, you, you, you may make a quick match, but one that doesn't, doesn't last. All right, so we've talked a little bit about the philosophy. What I'd like to turn to now is just, you know, let's, let's turn to current events, right? So we've gone through a really, really weird period in law firm business, in the nation's business, and in recruiting. Um, and, uh, you know, we went through a time where law offices were shutting down. And then when they were opening back up, like the word on the street was you couldn't hire anybody. Like if you needed a paralegal, if you needed an attorney, there were no candidates, and so I think law firms and law firm owners got creative. Some might say desperate. And then the markets continued to shift. So, you know, the, 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 the lawyers and law firms, they struggled. They continued to struggle to find the excellent candidates. Could you talk a little bit about what the marketplace is looking like to you now and what, what that transition's been about? What's really been going on? One of the great things I would say, and I could speak to it's the contractor e-discovery world, is that the transition to remote has been a great, for our industry, I would say, has been a great blessing. Being able to not only shift from commutable distance to a location for a brick and mortar, but truly being able to dive into a wider talent pool um, nationally or even globally, depending on the outfit, to um, source and have great skill candidates at your disposal has been a true blessing in our world. So I would say that there's been a bit of an oversaturation as well, being that you have a wider, a more vast pool to, to source from and being able to, having the demand not I think we went through a, a period of time where it was nonstop work coming in, but now, you know, the streamlining of that work and the more efficiency of knowing, and also just the improvement in technology that we utilize and the tools we utilize, kind of a little bit of recalibration on the need for volume or high volume. So I feel the emphasis has been put in shifting to more highly technical Mm. rather than just being highly skilled lawyers. Well, so we're going to reach. We're going to reach into that. Talk about you know, the, the need for the, those technical skills. I think that's really important. But before, like, I just want to like let's just take a pulse of today. So right now, where we sit today for lawyers, 
Is this a candidate's market or is this a hirer's market, an employer's market? I feel it's more of a candidate's market at the moment. Still, yeah. Um, I feel there's a shift coming as the job market is changing, of course. But I feel right now it's still a bit plateaued on candidate's market at the moment. Okay. Um, and what is the shift that you see coming? Like, you see it shifting more to an employer's market over the next couple of years? I do. With Again, it goes back to what I mentioned earlier with the more substantive skills being sought is truly where I can see that shift coming as well. Okay, super. I am talking with Sandy Ryan. She is the Senior Director of Recruiting at Level Legal. And we've been talking just a little bit kind of broad pictures about what being a recruiter is and also just sort of how she sees candidates and the current marketplace. We're going to take a break here and hear from our sponsors. And when we come back, we're going to shift the conversation a little bit about what Sandy looks for in a candidate and how she helps candidates be the kind of people she's looking for. Um, But first, a word from our sponsors, and then we'll be back in, in just a minute. Delegate out those tasks that take up your time. Staffy can help you with your legal, administrative, marketing, and even client-facing workload. Hiring Staffy's top-notch bilingual virtual staff means Staffy does the recruiting, hiring, and training for you. Then, if you need a change, Staffy handles it. You get to concentrate on your strategic work. Schedule a free consultation at staffy.cc. That's S-T-A-F-I dot C-C and get $500 off with code HAPPY24. Delegate out those tasks that take up your time. Staffy can help you with your legal, administrative, marketing, and even client-facing workload. Hiring Staffy's top-notch bilingual virtual staff means Staffy does the recruiting, hiring, and training for you. Then, if you need a change, Staffy handles it. You get to concentrate on your strategic work. Schedule a free consultation at staffy.cc. That's S-T-A-F-I dot cc and get $500 off with code HAPPY24. And welcome back. We are talking with Sandy Ryan. Sandy, again, is the Senior Director of Recruiting at Level Legal. We've been talking about candidates and employers in the market, uh, but now we're going to get a little bit more specific. So, Sandy, you are the Director of Recruiting at Level Legal. You know, you're, you're recruiting all the time. You're hiring people all the time. What are you looking for in potential candidates? Like what, what makes people stand out to you and say, yeah, this, this might be a good match for us. But if you don't mind, just talk a little bit more broadly. Like what should our listeners be looking for in candidates generally? At Level Legal, we emphasize our cultural values. Mm-hmm. I do think that looking beyond skills, because skills can be taught, and looking towards more of a culture fit is truly the key to success in hiring the right person for the role. Is for us, give a damn, show respect, get it done right, and deliver delight. These are things we've vet towards. Um, these are also our four cultural values for Level Ego. So, and when I have a conversation with a candidate, I like to. I don't like to interview. I know I was taught in this industry to like ask questions, but one of the things I learned that has been successful for me is have a conversation 
people tend to relax and talk to you and you get a lot more out of them in a conversation than you would in just asking a question that they already, you know, prepared for with answers. So I, I like to have conversations and in that way you could find out more about the person and their practices and what drives and motivates them and what they're passionate about. And in that way, you're able to ask the questions, but in a different way that would give you a lot more of color to them than it would just having, hey, can you do this job? Um, what are your skills? But you want to truly vet the candidate, but also do it in a way that makes you makes them want to provide you more than oh, a bit of oversharing ourselves. Sure, <laughs> sure. That's my that's my my way of helping is not really oversharing, but truly providing you more color to what moves them and what they're passionate about. And truly that helps to find if that person is truly a fit to not just the role, but to the company and already the team that they might be joining as well. You know, what I think I'm also hearing though, what really jumped out at me about your answer is that you go into the conversation clear in your mind about the values that you're looked at. Well, the values that your business represents and you're looking for mm-hmm. candidates that will work well in that environment that will match those values, not be offended by those values, not be intimidated by those values, mm-hmm. which if you're confident that that leads to you being able to have that more relaxed conversation than look for those buoys rather than being driven by some sort of interview script. Is, am I hearing that right? Absolutely. Skills can be taught, but your willingness to uphold those values and practice those, those are inherent. Willingness to do the job, period, is inherent. So being able to vet for their willingness to show up every day and do the job and get it done right is truly what you need to seek in someone rather than do they have the skills? You could teach them the skills any day. Sure. Sure, that makes sense. So let me ask you the flip side of that question then. Um, if that's what you're looking for, if you're looking for value match and you know, without the answer being just like not value match, um, you know, what are some red flags? What like in this recruiting, I'm sure you hit upon people where you're like, no, 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 no. Like, without naming names, though, if you want to, that'd be cool. Um, but uh, without naming names, like what are some of the red flags that you might run into? Like, like you're like, no, this is this is a candidate I is not for our business. Well, you have some people that are very honest and by then they're relaxed and they're talking to you and you're hearing things like, well, I just want to just people to get out of my way and just let me do my job. And, you know, so those are, if you're looking for someone to join a team, you're not looking for someone who's just going to run point all the time, but someone who can also be a part of the team. So if you're hearing the, the conversation where they're saying that they prefer to work alone, that's not a team player. So those are like red flags in how they answer and what they, their personal preference are. And, you know, they, we also utilize, it's a um, culture index survey to also help us to vet for that as well, which is also very insightful, but it's used as a cooperative tool to help to find the right person as well. So these are different tools that helps us to make sure that we're finding the right person that can show up and be a part of the team and do the job. Yeah, no, that makes that, that, that's beautiful. Thank you. I, mean, I think that that's 
that I think is is absolutely a great example of a of, of something that shows an incompatibility. I want to shift a little bit now in, in your writing, um, and uh, you you focus a lot on on, and you, you even mentioned it at the beginning of the show that specialization. Um, and that, and you know, then you mentioned that like the market's shifting and where specialization or technical skills are going to become more important. First of all, what do you mean by specialization? Let's start there. So we are, we're on a clear definitional plane. What are you talking about where, when you say specialization can become important? Specialization can come in different ways for, um, I could speak again towards e-discovery a bit more. With the transition to remote, the emphasis on technical and the technical background and practices has become more in the forefront of how we work and what we seek in a candidate, more so than if they could actually show up at a brick and mortar place and be there. So um, specialization goes towards being more Getting certifications in platforms, we're seeing a lot more um, demand or requests for people to be specialized in the e-discovery tools that they're using. Also, being able to be certified in even Microsoft 060. There's so many other demands that are coming in on the technical side. So having the certifications or being able to to have your resume speak towards the volume that you've done for, say, a document reviewer, being able to say, okay, I am special, I have specialty or extensive experience with QCing or privlog at the base, but more so saying you went out and got your RCA in relativity or your brain space certification. Those are specialties that can make you stand out. And again, this goes back to earlier. There is an oversaturation of the market, especially now that we have a more national scope that we are diving into. So you want to find ways to elevate yourself above the others where you are more attractive to the law firms or to your hiring. And that's where specialization in areas and being able to be a subject matter expert in certain areas is definitely something that's helpful. And not only to the law firms, but also to the recruiters as as well as internally, that's what you seek in someone to assist. So let's flip that around then. What words would you have for our listeners who are looking for candidates in mm-hmm. how they should think about special specialization like should the employers be more in tune or attuned to the specializations that suit their business the way it exists right now i would say right now but also look at where you're going and, and mm. seeking candidates that could be multifaceted um, one of the key things that i saw just this morning is that there's a law firm that made a big recent big chop to realign their practices. And I feel that with the more realignments that are coming in our industry, for someone who is on the chopping block, it may mean that you need to maybe think about going back and getting um, specialized or certification in certain areas to make yourself a little bit more attractive to your next um, hiring partner. It also means that the chops and the realignments that are happening being more multifaceted may be something that a key that could help you be retainable to the company because you can wear more than one hat, whether mm, it's yeah. being 
you know, as they streamline things, everyone's looking to do more with less. So being able to be multifaceted in your abilities within your work or your job can and does help you to maybe be more attracted for them to hold on to you because you can help in more than one way. That makes total sense. So we talked about specialization in a kind of broad sense. When we come back from this break, if we're going to if we're going to encourage people to specialize, what should they be specializing in? But first, we'll hear a word from our sponsors, and then we'll uh, we'll tackle that topic. Find out how TimeSolve fits your firm with six different ways to track time. Surely one will fit, even on the go, or quickly estimate flat fee projects. Batch payments for hundreds of invoices at once with TimeSolve Pay. Getting paid quickly is a great fit. And TimeSolve fits with the other tools you use. QuickBooks, LawPay, NetDocuments, LawRuler, Microsoft, all just plug in. Try TimeSolve free. Get a $100 Amazon gift card when you sign up. TimeSolve.com Nearly 80% of people search for lawyers online. They visit websites and check reviews. If your site doesn't appear in the top search results or it presents poorly, you risk losing clients. That's why you must know how your firm stacks up on Google against the competition. See how your reviews impact clients' decisions and how you can get better results from your site. Get an unbiased marketing performance report in under a minute right now at Grow Law Firm. And that's growlawfirm.com slash unbillable. Once again, growlawfirm.com slash unbillable. And welcome back. We've been talking with Sandy Ryan. Sandy is the Senior Director of Recruiting at Level Legal. So I said that when we came back, Sandy, I wanted to ask you, okay, so specialization is good. Mm-hmm. And from both sides, right? The, the employee, the candidate should be achieving some level of specialization. And I, think, I guess more importantly, the way you've been describing it is also presenting themselves in, with that specialization, like not talking in generality, generalities, but talking in specifics about the kind of work they like to do, the kind of work that they're good at. But so as people consider specialization, what should they be specializing in? What's going to be hot? What is hot? What's going to be hot over the next couple of years that people, if they're going to go get a certification, what should they be getting it in? If they're going to be taking a course, what should they take? Let me just say, recently I had a former candidate of mine that reached out to me. They were seeking some advice on where to go in their career. They've been to eDiscovery, they've done the management, they've done the back end, they've had their own practice, and she's looking for her next um, step or next second mountain, as we'll call it, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, in her career. And we were talking about cybersecurity. And of course, as a recruiter, of course, I'm saying, no, stay in the discovery. I, I, I love to have you. She's a great talent, mm-hmm. hands down. But I had to also think of her and what she's seeking in her life. So we, we sat down and we started talking and she is interested in getting into cybersecurity, but she doesn't know how. So I put my thinking cap on and did a little bit of research to help her in that and definitely... I was blown away as, yes, I'm aware of all the cyber breaches that's been happening recently, but to see that there's such a high volume of demand that's out there, there's so many Fortune 500 companies that are currently seeking cybersecurity help and being able to see like 350% between 2013 to 2021, that's how much the worldwide 
growth of cybersecurity. Yeah, wow. You know, it, there's over 700,000 open positions right now, cybersecurity. And again, I'm going back to my oversaturation of e-discovery. So of course, I wholeheartedly, yes, go for it. Because I, I see a dovetail of cyber and e-discovery. And there's a lot of talent here in e-discovery that is definitely looking for their second mountain and looking for a challenge. And I do feel that cybersecurity offerings are definitely a great way, especially for my world of contractors that are looking for stable jobs. And there's quite a lot of them out there for them to take advantage of and the ability for them to take all the knowledge they have in the e-discovery realm and kind of have a hybrid role of e-discovery into cyber. Yeah. So speaking of that, like, so I want to mm-hmm. pitch you a little bit of a curveball here. Um, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things that you do at Level Legal is you provide contract attorneys and contract work to law firms. Mm-hmm. And, you know, these are the same law firms that I'm talking about are, are struggling with recruiting and struggling on finding talent. Mm-hmm. Are we moving towards a model where more and more legal work is going to be done through outside contractors as opposed to hiring people permanently? Are we going towards a legal gig economy? Like, what, what, what's your vision on that? Well, honestly, I would say that the partnership between contract um, law firms and contractor utilizing contractors has been there my entire career. Mm-hmm. And I feel that that's always a supplement that is necessary. In my experience, I've seen the, the lean towards more contractors, especially in an economic downturn, to supplement the um, the workload. But I feel that's always a shift that goes back and forth. Mm-hmm. So I don't think there'll be a permanent shift to just using contractors, but it's always a flux. And it's also a stable way to have attorneys at demand. Yeah. As you talk about uh, specialization, I mean, sometimes particularly people that get specialized skills, law firms don't need them all the time, right? They they, they need them to scale to a project mm-hmm. and then they need to rapidly scale the back so they're not carrying mm-hmm. this highly specialized individual when the specialized work's not available. Is that part of what you're I, seeing going on? Absolutely, yes. That has always been the partnership of um, contract work with law firms is the ability to grab some extra help when necessary, especially when you need someone with a specialty and a background. And that's what we are here to do at all times. Oh, that makes total sense. So Sandy, as we as we approach the time that we've got allotted for, for our conversation, mm-hmm. what would you say from the perspective of recruiting um, that you would think of as a key takeaway you'd like our listeners to come away with, whether they're attorneys or law firm owners, what should they take away from our conversation that's actionable for them? I would say look towards where you want to be, not now as far as the pressing matter now, but where your department is going and ensure that any talent you're bringing on can help you get there. Yeah. So the Wayne Gretzky thing, right? So hire for where the puck is going. Yes. (laughs) I like that, but I'm a Bruins fan, but yes. Well, there's always room for improvement. Um, Sandy, thank you so much. Um, unfortunately, that does wrap up this edition of the Unbillable Hour. So I thank all of our listeners for listening. Our guest today has been Sandy Ryan. Sandy is, once again, the Senior Director of Recruiting at 
Level Legal. Sandy, if folks want to reach out to you, learn a little bit more, or have a follow-up question from what they've heard on the show, how can people reach you? They can reach me on my LinkedIn at Sandrine Ryan, or they can reach out to me at sryan at levellegal.com. Beautiful. Thank you. And of course, this is Christopher T. Anderson, and I look forward to seeing you through the interwebs next month with another great guest as we learn more about topics that help us build the law firm business that works for you. Remember, you can subscribe to all the editions of this podcast at LegalTalkNetwork.com or on iTunes. Thank you for joining us. We will speak again soon. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by Legal Talk Network. Its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. Join us again for the next edition, right here with Legal Talk Network. Learn by doing with Practicing Law Institute's award-winning on-demand interactive programs. Developed by experts in learning design, these immersive programs incorporate the latest in research-based instructional design and technology, allowing you to try out concepts, challenge yourself, and grow your skills using real-world scenarios. With programs focusing on professional development, client-facing skills, and law practice management, you can earn CLE while you learn. Launch now at pli.edu slash interactive or download PLI's mobile app.